Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to look at fungicide. In our spotlight, we'll talk about another new chemical coming down the pipeline. In Ag History Minute, we'll talk about a little bit about the history of fungicide. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have current events and we'll wrap it all up with a GDU update. So, back together again and it feels so good. Got everybody here. Yay. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. The boys are back in town. <laughs> I think we need to have people leave comments of which team is the A team and the B team, Max. Cause I think there's no question. There's no I'm question. Just saying, we I'm were just saying, saying Bucks were 0-2. We hosted. They went 4-0 after that. So they only went 2-0 after you guys hosted. Oh, Yeah, so. but they also became champions after we hosted. Yes. So. They also became champions after we hosted. <laughs> just but with us in between. Thank you, Giannis. It's a very cool chant that they had, like, you know, like, after you win a championship and you're walking out, usually you just sort of yell and scream or when you win a game. Yeah. But have, like, the, have something that, is more than just like we did it, we won. Go us! Yesterday was the parade. Yep, the rain held off for yep. the parade, which is good. How cool is it though that they won it in Milwaukee? Right. Like yeah. how many times do like just home. teams yep. in general win a championship and you're at the opposing stadium and everyone's or a neutral site like yeah, the Super filing Bowl. Out. Oh, sweet, you won the Super Bowl. You, the Green Bay Packers won a Super Bowl in Dallas. Like yeah, cool. well, like you know what I mean. Both Bucks teams. This year, one at home. That's true. Very true. But very interesting. Yes, you're right. The they, Tampa, the Buc- Tampa Bay, Bay, Bay Buccaneers oh, won right. at their home stadium. I just, uh, I remember I was on the student ticket text when we drafted Giannis. Like, that's how dedicated I, of a Bucks fan I've tried to be. Wow. So I was getting $3 tickets when we Giannis' first season, like, sent to my phone and... We were saying own the future and all this stuff. And then Brandon Jennings said bucks and six, and we were not good. There was no bucks and six at that point in time. <laughs> they they won less games the first year Middleton and Giannis played together as they won playoff games this year. Yep. They won 16 playoff games this year. That year they won 15 regular season games. Wow. That first year with... If you, if you didn't watch Giannis shove Mike Dunleavy... Uh, in the playoffs, you don't fully appreciate this because that was like we were like we made the playoffs, and I think we ended up getting a gentleman's sweep. Or we might have just got swept by the Bulls first round, like in the last game with like three minutes left. Uh, Giannis just ran down the court, and Mike Dunleavy was about to shoot a three, and he just shoved him into the bench. <laughs> like didn't even try and make it like look like you know an accident. Anyway, my point is this is awesome because. I struggled through those years. I mean, you guys have struggled through it longer, I guess, because the Bucks haven't won in 50 years. So, But I don't remember, like, the 2001 team. They were pretty good. I don't remember that. But I remember when they drafted Giannis, and this is a long time coming, a lot of fun. Some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. That is true. I basically did. The, the 2001 team, remember? Yeah, the, but you're I, only like in your 20s, dude. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> Bill, do you remember the exact way they got jobbed by the refs somehow? It was against Philly. Exactly. I don't either. And Big Dog missed like this bunny lay, like 
Should have made. I mean, Bunny layup at the buzzer, and but I don't wa- remember it either. This Bucks team, they were getting jobbed by the refs, and obviously we're homers, and you're going for your own team. But some of those calls I, I, were so bad. I was seeing guys from like Barstool who have no skin in the game that were like, "What is going on right now? Like they, the Milwaukee Bucks are getting screwed." I, and and, the, and this team did not get down. They just kept playing. Yeah, they, yep. like look at that foul in Game Four where Booker just shoved our guy. But he would have had six falls and fouled out, so they didn't call it. And Giannis is on right behind put with the putback layup. Yeah, you, you know most teams they're they're being babies and calling it out, and they they weren't like that. They just played hard. That's probably the one of the best things about the Bucks is Giannis is a superstar, but we don't have super like he doesn't act like one. We no. don't have superstars. We have a bunch of guys who like to show up, play ball. I mean, uh, Drew Holiday was. In the plus minus, he was like plus one fifty, and he was scoring ten points a game. So you know how insane your defense has to be to be plus one fifty, scoring ten points a game. Like, so that's how you know we just got a bunch of dogs, and I love it. They're a cool team that came together. Like, you can relate them to the Bulls of the '90s somewhat. I mean, obviously not the number of championships or anything, but you got Giannis is like Jordan. You got Middleton like your Pippen. They had like Horace Grant, and we got like PJ Tucker, who's Tony Kukoc, Bobby Portis. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Tony Kukoc is uh, probably that Bryn Forbes, the guy they bring in off. <laughs> oh, the bench. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they bring him in off the bench, and he. But no, but, no, no, no. <laughs> Tony Kukoc is Pat Connaughton. Just yep. just shoot the ball, man. Don't worry about it. Just keep shooting. And and these role players that they did, they they knew what they had to do, and they just they, they did, did their job. They, they yeah. like. Portis was supposed to play defense, and you know Pat Pat Connaughton has no business playing twenty five minutes in the NBA Finals. Zero until like, he jacks threes and makes them all the time. Well, he was zero for three with five rebounds or something like that in the championship, sure. like in Game Six. Like, but he was playing defense and he was trying and he was out there. Like, but you could not tell him to stop shooting. Like he was just going. He wasn't even. He wasn't even close. He came down the floor and did it again, and I went. Ah, oh, whatever. I mean, but he like that's not a superstar. That's not a guy you expect to see on the floor for the NBA Finals. So it was fun. We had a lot of a lot of old guys that their careers were over, done yep. with, and they played. PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis, both those guys are supposed to be out of the league. Like neither one is supposed to be worth playing, and they played. Bobby Portis had like twenty one points in the NBA Finals. Like mm-hmm. that was yep. great. The he game was, was good. I mean, besides the refs, because. That's why I don't watch much. That's the most NBA basketball I watched in the last week. The refs just it's just not it's just sloppy basketball. I don't like it. But the game was good, like you sound like a Wisconsin Badgers basketball I know, fan. I am. Oh my <laughs> Sorry. god. It's Bo, just Bo Ryan created basketball. But they did play defense. That's yeah. the problem with the regular season is like yeah, the they first don't play defense. three quarters they don't do anything and then like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter they start trying kind <laughs> yeah, of I guess I'll try it too. And, uh, no, and watching this, this was like buzzer to buzzer, just hard, like yep. Just there was tough a lot playing. of times when the clock, shot clock was at the end. Yeah, and, and never like either from either team. They they never got to where they were, you know, hack a shack type of stuff. It was just it was good basketball. Well, they was, tried they tried hack a shack, except and for he went shack, sixteen to seventeen. That, that's the part of this game that I think is like he has never went he's seventeen for nineteen in free throws. If he shoots his normal free throw percentage we lose the game yeah. by two points like yeah that that he made 17 and 19 free throws is just amazing someone watching him some were swishes some rattled around yeah. three times he, and when he threw a lot through that were 
perfect. They were good. Yeah, he was he was on that night. That whatever he did to help that is amazing. Fifty Chick Fil A nuggets and a Sprite lemonade. No ice. No ice. I was listening to to Brian Butch and he played in Greece and he said they don't put ice in anything over there. I didn't realize that. Like he's like going to the restaurant and he's like, "Can I have ice?" And they're like, "What?" Like looked at him like he had three heads. He said, <laughs> "They don't even have ice makers." Well, guess not. Yeah, yeah like same. everything is without ice. The the best story that I thought came out that I remember when it happened, but they brought it back up during the finals was them talking about Giannis when he first started was sending all his money back home to Greece to his family. And he sent so much money home, he didn't have money for a cab to get to the game that he was about to play in. Like, that's how, like, they're like, he, when they talk about rags to riches, like, yeah, yeah. He had to go out on Twitter and look for a ride to an NBA basketball game that he was playing in. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> but here, you, now look at, I mean, Supermax contract and playing for a whole city, whole state. I mean, there doesn't lack support around here. Nope, not at all. In other sports news, we got the Olympics getting going this week. And I swear this is not a joke. This has actually happened. The Polish swim team accidentally picked too many swimmers. Yep. And they had to send, I think it was six home. So congratulations, Poland. This is not an Onion article that we're reading. This is a real thing yeah, that actually real, happened. Real deal. That and the cardboard beds that the athletes get to sleep on. Yeah. How, they, you said six? Six too swimmers, many? yeah. yeah. Six too, too many swimmers. That's a lot too many. That's not like one or two too many. Right. And it was like they sent them to Tokyo, and that's when they finally figured it out. <laughs> They're all there. You're allowed 10. Oh, we have 16. Oh, we have 16. Wait, what? How does that... I don't know how that works. Can they bring like alternates? Like... So I know for wrestling, like we send our whole team, even if our whole team doesn't qualify, just in case somebody misses weight. If you're there and you can make weight, they will shove you in. Well, especially with like COVID yet, like one of the swimmers or whoever gets COVID, well, can you pop someone else in that doesn't? But were they over their maximum amount of... I'm guessing you get like a certain number of athletes too. Yeah. probably sure. with the limitations, uh, different tiers of, of numbers you have to meet. Maybe it's just you could bring like what a full team is, and they had like six over like what a full team mm-hmm. is. Like, so the swimmers got the they got yeah. the short end of no, the no, stick. No, I'm saying like six of a full swim team. Like they already had enough for one person for every event. Sure. And yeah. Then, it's so. weird though that all the and I guess Tokyo or Japan in general doesn't have a very high vaccination rate, but like all these sporting events. I mean, we just watched. 60,000 people in the Deer District. Yep. The Fiserv was full. And now you're going to go to Tokyo with like empty stadiums. Yep. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to be really weird. It is going to be weird if stuff opens up where you still got the like the sort of in between where. I mean, for the gymnastics, it'll be about the same, but everything <laughs> else be a little bit. That's a heart. Well, that like, was, that like was swim, swimming is there fans there? Like you don't hear fans cheering and swimming. Probably. I mean, I guess you do. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah the pool's usually a full Yeah. I remember pools. like the, at the very least mom and dad are there because you're, I mean, you're not going to get to watch your kids. You don't think you're going to watch your no. kids at more than one Olympics. So you're going to go and you're. So like even family her. can't go cheer. I don't know what it was, I but know. initially I thought they were letting, you could bring like, I don't remember if it was a number, like two people or something, but then. They were having more issues and 
Because even the Paralympics that are kind of going on at the same time, they were saying like some some of the para, Paralympic athletes couldn't bring like people they usually have with them to help them. Sure, which right. seemed like like well, a bad what? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the rules are as far as, but it, I I know there was a limit at one time like you could have. Like I said, if it was two people or you know your parents or something there, but yeah, it's just different. I mean, we're year year delayed and now no fans and hey, as long as we have a good performance by Team USA, I guess I don't really care. Just want to win some gold medals, which we should. Sounds like so did, except for in basketball, apparently. Did uh, was it holiday and? You know, Middleton. Middleton, Middleton. Gonna, were they going to go? They are probably on a plane right now. They stayed for the parade, and then they were like... They were going to go. Yeah. You didn't see the, the meme of... No. Was it Chris Paul sitting with... Oh, no, it's uh, Devin Booker. Or Devin Booker. That's what it was. Yeah, Devin Booker. He's was, there. Yeah, those three had on, a on a plane with... On a plane. Yeah. Holiday oh, going to, the, yeah. going to the Olympics. And it was like Booker with like a straight, like sad face on... <laughs> Why does this plane smell like champagne? <laughs> Imagine those guys fighting over an armrest. <laughs> I'm sure they have to sit right next to each nope, other they on the did. plane. That iron, we need it. Those guys are so. All these teams though today are they're buddies. Not like it was like in the Jordan Pistons. Well, even if you era, think about like the bad boys. Yeah, like those guys would punch each other. These guys, yeah, well, they aren't not like yeah. that. Just think about like the Gasol brothers. They played for Spain, and like you have. Athletes that are from other countries yeah. that are that play was, for their home country, and then I was really hoping since Greece didn't make the Olympics that Giannis would then play oh. for Team USA, but <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get that lucky. Unfortunately, you'd think Giannis would be able to just will the Greece Grecian team to. Well, he couldn't play. That was the problem. Oh, he was playing in the try. NBA finals, so he couldn't couldn't go couldn't, most yeah. years. Yep, up to now he's been done, and he can go play in their qualifying game. But their qualifier was like. The first round of the of the playoffs. Sure, like they needed him to go play, and that ain't happening. No, no. And with their coaches, uh, Rick Pitino, though. Did you know that? No, the yeah. grease. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Richard or Rick? Old man. Yeah, Rick. Rick. Nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, the one from Louisville who's yep. had his titles vacated. That one. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, you guys ready to get into some fungicide talk? Let's do it. All right, it's that time of year. Tassels are out. Some of you may have already applied some fungicide, but I've been getting questions the last week or so of, do I need to, you know, is it a big deal? What should I be doing? Mainly on corn and soybeans. So <clears throat> the timing is, is now. I think for a lot of us, the tassels are, are out. If they're not out yet, then then you're still early. But I've seen quite a few... This last week, I don't know about you guys, I'm sure to the south it's probably all almost all tasseled, but up here it's getting there. A lot of lot of airplanes moving around right now. Yep. Airplanes and helicopters. I think I've had more discussions about about the craziness of the airplane pilots than actually are we gonna apply or not. Sure. Like they do put on a pretty good show. Yeah. And in general, I do notice that if we park on the side of the field, they like they to give give a little more they, show. They like to give a little extra. Get a little yeah. the waggle of the it is the EAA this over. week, so you could either yeah. just hang around in any sort of part of the Midwest and watch a 
watch a crap yeah, duster do I, his show or or head to Oshkosh. When I drove through Oshkosh. see pretty much the same thing. When I drove through Oshkosh yesterday, I drove with my hand over my head just waiting for <laughs> something to come flying But you don't have to pay $70 a day to watch uh, a crop duster you like you do at EA. flying our drone around Oshkosh. Like you, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like, a lot of planes, a lot of low-flying planes. Yes. Yeah. I think even they, because you guys know the rules better than me, but they can restrict airspace yep. further mm-hmm. out, and mm-hmm. I think they restrict it quite far out just... To prevent any problems with that, so I should look. At you don't think you don't think the guys with homemade airplanes don't need any extra room? <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah. What? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, EAA is like the. It'd be the EAA Ver- Air, Air Venture. Yeah, it's like just a it's giant an, airplane convention. Yeah, an aviation convention. Well, and they didn't even do it last year, so. Oh, it was hopping yesterday when I came through. Yeah. They're, they're they're ripping. So. And people come from all over the world to. Yeah, they fly their plane. Anyway. Right. Whitman International or Whitman not international. International. Whitman, Whitman Airport Airfield, yep. becomes the busiest airport in the world for one week a year. Like, they have more flights in and out than LaGuardia or JFK. That to me, I, I mean, all obviously these are hobbyist small planes, but still that. Those are harder probably to bring down than some professional you, in a 747. Can you imagine in. being an air traffic controller at Whitman Airport oh, and geez. you normally do like two flights a yeah. day and you're doing yeah. thousands? Yeah. Thousands and it's like Uncle Bob with his little Cessna. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Just, Time, times like 30 all yeah, flying right. at the same time. Right. The sad part is there's usually one of those planes that goes down on the way. That's the sad part. But yeah, it seems like every year somebody tries to land on forty one because they can't can't keep the plane in the air. That's a big enough highway to do it. <laughs> you might land on a semi though. <laughs> Did you find it, Matt? I I'm at looking at Whitman Field. I was trying to click on the link here to see if they have any special And I don't, don't, didn't see like a, usually they have like a red circle on the map, and I didn't see it. I did see last week that the same plane was putting, off topic, a fuzz, but was putting urea on some corn. Yeah. That was cool, interesting. Did they fly higher for applying urea? When I went by, they were tender, they were filling the plane with the tender truck on the, they had blocked a road off. Yeah. And they were doing that, so I didn't get to see them in a. But I heard that they go f- higher with that, and then sure. you know when you're doing fungicide, you're, you're down closer. You're trying to yeah. Long story short, the planes are cool. They are cool. And they put, they it, put fungicide on planes are cool. It's Let's sort of amazing we still do, or you know that that even looking at these planes, I'm sure they've got the latest technology and all, but they're still like an old school, just yep. badass plane. They're. They're they're cool, with a crazy man at the wheel. Yeah, but yeah. So, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that we kind of do as an automatic is BMR. Mm-hmm. And are we still doing that? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I think ever. I mean, all of my clients are for the most part. Not everybody, but that's I'd an insurance policy worth paying for. I think. Yeah, yeah. With BMR, it just seems to be. The agronomics do seem to be getting better with new generations, but it's still worth the money to put out. The The good problem I'm having right now with some clients is I've got one custom applicator that's got the undercover 360 nozzles that, with a sprayer, 
Yeah. And yeah, so um, that's a basically your Y drop. Picture that. Yeah, with, but with it sprays up. With sprays up. Yeah, you know. spraying up. So you got two nozzles on the bottom. One sprays each side, and then you got one nozzle that goes up. So you kind of get the whole coverage underneath the canopy as well mm-hmm. as spraying down like a normal sprayer would do versus an airplane that you know flies over the top and hits the top of the canopy. So hopefully you get more coverage with that than you do with an airplane. Yeah, it's always tricky when they're flying in. You know, you're, their speed and when they... And these guys are good, don't get me wrong, about turning on and off the spray, but you know, you're kind of re- relying on that that momentum to kind of carry it into the canopy and you just never know exactly how great your coverage is going to be, especially like on the headland areas where they start and stop. But so having something like that where you can control a little bit more would be kind of interesting. But obviously the year with an airplane, you're not limited to height of the crop. Right. And you're not running down any corn. Yep. And I think driving through. there's different, obviously with different sprayers may have different clearances. So you may be, have a better luck with some one brand versus another too. And with BMR, we're hoping it's tall, nice looking silage hey, corn. You so. want it to be tall. Right. right. So that's a good thing. The other good part about this is the application timing window to me seems giant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's basically VT, which is tassel time to R1, which is early silk. So I mean, I've got, seen some even at R two. So yeah, right, brown. I think that's brown silk. Brown silk. So I mean, you got so you got a couple of weeks there to, to to apply. Whereas let's just compare it to wheat fungicide for head scab, where you've got four days. Yeah. Yep. So that's really nice and a benefit that it's it's not something that you necessarily got to you know pay, hit the panic button and decide and you know make sure you're going to miss some sort of window or miss the bus here. You, you get a lot of time to make it. It's really, I mean, in organizing an airplane isn't the same as just filling up a sprayer and going. It, right. It's a lot. It takes a lot more to get that airplane organized, so it's yeah. nice that we have a bigger window. Yeah, usually a minimum number of acres. So you got to get together with neighbors or talk to your co-op, and if they've got a group going in, because they're not generally going to come out for 30 acres. No. And if they are, it's probably going to cost you through the nose if they're willing to do it so we fly some uh, fungicide on wheat because we don't like yeah. tracks in the wheat and that's a lot more stressful because it's a lot smaller window and trying to get a trying yeah. to get everything organized in that four day window i mean you, you could plan ahead but it's still you got to be there i mean it's got to be quick so and if it rains or it's cloudy there's no no flights so well that's that's hard too because your your airplane is going to go when most of the wheat's ready so if your wheat's on the early side or on the late side of that, you're probably getting uh, just outside that window. But they're not going to wait till yours is perfectly ready. Can we wait 72 more hours? Mine's just not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least with corn, there is that. Yeah, right. You, just, you, you check it and you tell them, okay, yeah, it should be ready next week-ish and you'll be fine. I do think, though, that with corn, especially for in our area, like 90% of the fungicide we apply is silage. The sooner, you know, we want to hit it as soon as we can to get the most coverage and the most... As soon as you see those tassels. Yeah, you know, like you you delay a week or two, well, now you had two less days or two less weeks of being controlled or covered covered because, you know, in 45, 60 days we're chopping around. I would say all of these fungicides we're using are preventative, not curative. Yeah. So to me that also bodes that earlier is better because you're not going to cure anything there. You're just stopping it. And then let's talk 
corn silage from tasseling, it's 45 days till you chop it. Well, let's use that whole 45. I mean, it's not going to be that long of a residual. Don't get me wrong. But at least you're kind of using it up more that we were on corn grain you're a lot longer to so are you guys are you guys doing corn grain a little bit later are you letting it be towards the end of that window or you're treating it the same just i don't think you got to be that specific i really don't yeah i don't think you got to be that like worried about that you're gonna miss it by a day or anything it's just not that critical and with a point it's coming when it's coming a lot of times right you're you're you don't have a choice we can have all the planning and intentions that we want it really doesn't matter at the end of the day that plane's coming on Wednesday and it's gonna spray these five thousand acres and I was standing in a guy's yard on Wednesday and I'm like, Oh, we're we're gonna get the plane done. He's like looked at his watch, he's like, Any minute now <laughs> and I'm like, How do you know that? He's like, Oh, the co op guy just called and said, Get your cows in the because the plane was gonna fly right over the cow Where's yard. So like, get your cows in just to make sure that there's no problems and sure enough I walked out the or the grandkids came running in and they're like, Grandpa, grandpa, the, the plane's, plane's here. here. <laughs> Plane, look at the plane. plane. So that was kind of cool. And as I'm driving out the driveway, literally the pass with the airplane was right over the house. Like, just look up and it was boom right there. It was pretty sweet coming right at you. Oh, that's some nice tires on your landing gear. Look yeah. like they're in good shape. <laughs> nah, it, every year's going to be a little different. You know, like we said, BMR is kind of the automatic because we know it's more susceptible in general. Whereas with a lot of other corn, We've got traits and other things that we know are going to help us. Well, how many times do we sit in our our consultant seed meetings in November talking about the next year's seed, and we'll go through and we'll say, oh, this variety is does not respond to fungicide, or this variety yeah. does respond to fungicide. Yeah, RTF, man, right, responds to fungicide. And I, I would agree that looking back, if we did our homework in the winter, you know now which ones... Which ones? You should be kind of pushing and which ones are not as critical to to have fungicide. Because I think that is a huge part, too, is is the variety side of this. Is yep. Your non-BMRs, you know, be looking, Do you, does does that variety respond or not? And then be thinking maybe you're not. That you know, We spend so much time trying to decide whether or not to do it, and we just said... This is not curative, so you can't wait till a bunch right. of diseases out reactive. there. Yeah. And most of the time, too, this time of year, we don't have a lot of disease no. present in that canopy. I mean, there's some, but usually it's not enough to sort of decide yes or no. So, But if you know that that variety uses it, then that's a good time to... Another conversation I had with a grower on Monday was they have their own sprayer. They just bought it this year, so obviously they want to use it. There's making sprayer payments and another example of the corn getting too tall and we're having discussion of they're doing wide drops right now and they're like i don't know if i'm going to be able to get back might have to have the co-op come in and we did the math and like the the amount of money they would have to spend to have, just have the plane do it would be one of their sprayer payments and they're like well if we can't do it maybe we can you know just skip it because we don't want that cost and then we got talking like yeah and then northern corn leaf blight comes in and your moisture in your corn silage tanks and we can't get it chopped fast enough, you know, and we can't, like you said, Todd, we can't fix it. Once we have it, we have to do it now. So their dilemma is like, do we spend an extra 30 grand to have this plane come in or just try to risk it that we can get through with our own sprayer and maybe knock a few plants down? Yeah. I think cost benefits a big, got to be a big consideration when you're doing this is it's not, it's not an automatic, like it's not like, any, you know something where you can say oh yeah it's only 
like insecticide, I guess. It's not like, like our thresholds on cheap other to throw in. Right. Yeah. It's not like our like on our pests on our bugs. We've got determined thresholds that okay, the alfalfa is this height. You have this many bugs. Go we'll spray. On fungicide, that's what is hard. Is we can scout for it and help, but there's not sort of true thresholds. And like I said, scouting for it now, you don't find very much. But three weeks from now, when it's too late, you know it's there and and going to town. I was having this conversation yesterday with a grower who has never done fungicide before, but they had a salesman stop out and whatever, and they so they were asking me about it, what I thought, and I was trying to explain that it's not like um, when you put nitrogen on your corn, it's it's a one-to-one kind of, you, you put nitrogen on, you get more yield, mm-hmm. right? It's very, you know, that way. That's not the way fungicide works. You don't put it on and get more yield. You you put it on, and if there's a disaster, you're protected. Yep, correct. That's a good way to put it, Max, is you're protecting yield. You're not necessarily always gaining, gaining. yield. And if yep. we have a year where there's no northern corn leaf blight that comes in, no disease that comes in the corn, like it's a very light year, well, you, I mean, I guess you wait, you wasted the money, but... I mean, when are we going to have a year where we have no disease at all? I mean, it's right. just not. I mean, tar and this is a bad example because we don't really, we can't really prevent this anyway. But tar spot, tar spot. is what I'm seeing from that. I think, yeah, that's gonna. Yes, I agree. The how early tar spots coming on in certain areas, especially southern part of the state, that's going to be much more devastating than what we're seeing on fungicide. Right. But remember too, how much you invested in your corn seed, you know. Corn seed costs gone up. That a lot of that is in these genetics to prevent these diseases. So you already did usually step one of stopping diseases. Good news is with corn and beans pricing the way it is, it makes it easier to decide to do these things Pen- too. Right? A yep. lot better this year, right? right? It's half a, twice as easier. You know, if corn was two and a half bucks versus five, or three bucks versus five, and beans are. Seven, eight versus 15 or 14, whatever, 13, whatever they're at. It, it does make that ROI a little bit. It's a lot easier nicer. to find 25 extra dollars an acre. Yep. Yeah. But. And, you know, with. If you are going to do the fungicide, just like with chemical and other things, mode, there are multiple modes of action. You want to make sure you're not using the same necessarily thing all the time to build up resistance in disease when we do get it. So it's important to consider that, too, as you're going in. You've got a couple different modes of action with fungicide. Your frac 3s, frac 11s, so strobulurins, DMIs. And if you get multiple modes of action or rotate the modes of action, you're going to be a lot better off than just constantly doing the same thing and all of a sudden saying, hey, I sprayed for fungicide. I sprayed my fungicide, but I'm still seeing disease. Well, we don't want to... We don't want resistance, just like we don't want it with chemi- other chemicals. You get, now you got everybody's had the trial run on resistance. All right, are we done? Can we <laughs> learn from this, please, and move on? Take our water hemp uh, yeah. knowledge and move it to fungicide. Is that, that would what you're be saying? Great, if we could, yeah. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That's that's another topic for another day. Yep. And then the last thing I want to touch on was soybeans with fungicide. You could doing much with that. Outside of, you know, if you've got guys with really bad white mold histories, that's probably a good place to be. But I feel like some of my growers, or just talking to people in general, like you, if you're going to go after white mold, it's a different dynamic than if you're right. just going to go after like quote plant health. 
And I got a couple of growers that are like, well, let's go spray and let's get the white mold. And it's like, okay, then we got to, this is going to cost you. Like right. we got to go twice, first flower and then two weeks later. And they're like, oh, well, I thought we could just do one shot and be good. And it's like, it doesn't work that way with white mold. Nope. So I think soybeans, there's, you got to have the right mentality as to what, what is your goal with soybean fungicide? Is it yep. just to protect yield and healthy plants or is it? Or is it truly white mold? What are, what are you after? Yep. No, I would agree. It's Like you said, it can be very expensive because it's fungicides generally an expensive pass to begin with. So if you're talking two passes, and you can, then you got to hope you're, if you're doing it with a, a ground rig, which in soybeans is a lot more likely, that your guy can follow his old track so you're not running down even more beans on that second pass. I will say we were talking before we started about how the bean fields in our neck of the woods don't look very good so white mold probably won't be a huge issue on right on those fields we got other issues going on there's not as much canopy issue yeah closing going on so but do you, you still i mean the issues that we're having are probably pretty good uh disease yeah um there's a host there they're, they're weak yeah, yeah. so and and we've had pretty heavy dews for the most wet very wet i've yeah. seen a lot of brown spot coming on here mm-hmm. from yeah. from elong elongated wet periods of 65 to 85 degrees that's what the book says exactly <laughs> but it's supposed to be 88 tomorrow so we'll have it'll less. be too hot no brown spot oh yeah the next five days i think are all high 80s so good for the fair max yeah. go to the fair yeah typical fair weather hey man it's almost over all right, like they, it was not bad. I was in the pig barn last night. It was not bad. Not like most years where you're. It was starting just, to get sticky toward the end of. The, it's yeah, different though when you're when you're showing and it's hot, right? Versus like by Saturday, Sunday, most of the showing parts done. But like the pigs, there, the pigs weren't panting last night. They weren't pounding electrolytes. Like, I, there was years where we stayed like in the barn all night just because we didn't know if they were, were going to make. The, it was so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just hammering. And the last night it was not like that. It was super. It was pretty nice in the barn. So, but yeah, this is normally this week every year. It gets to be 110 and a tornado. That's usually the yeah. <laughs> How do you like living like not next to the fair, like on the fair, basically? Yeah, fair people. He's on. He's on like yeah the fairgrounds block. Yeah, like, the, so there's the, a row of like four houses there. The that... fence. The fence in my backyard is owned by the fair. Yes. So yeah. Um. It's not. I mean, you're you're not going to sleep, so you might as well go enjoy it. I guess <laughs> that's I, a very good. Do they give you like a free they, pass? They, in they, they didn't. Like they, I think I, I might need to make a phone call. Yeah, <laughs> I think like that. That's that area needs to get like, hey, we're bothering you really bad for a week. Like, here's a free pass for the week, and just get in. Like, you can come drink our beer and pay for it. <laughs> but we'll get you in for nothing. The week pass is twenty dollars, so I don't think if they bought everybody on the street. One, I don't think that'd be the end of the world, but, you know, we'll see. We'll try to make that happen for next year, yeah. Maybe (laughs) next year. All right. So there you go. If you're thinking about fungicide, some thoughts to consider. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So yet another new corn premix herbicide coming out, and that is... Acuron GT, so it's going to be the same four active ingredients and three sites of action in Acuron GT from Syngenta, 
So it gives us HPPD inhibitors, synthesis inhibitor, and plant enzyme. So it's basically adding glyphosate to the mix of Acuron. I don't know about you guys, but I am super excited about this. This is like like straight fire. This is awesome. I mean, what took so long? We had Halex GT, obviously. This is just Halex GT in the Acuron version that where was this already? Why do we not already have this? So. I mean, we had to do Enlist Duo first, I guess, and then yeah, no, then we I just do feel like it was like let's let's go. I I wish they would list how much of bicyclopyrone and some of these herbicides are in it, and then we could also make a more a better decision of what how to use it and what we're going to do. With it. Obviously, that'll come out when the labels further out. But this is just to did, me awesome. Did they pull the atrazine out? But yeah, it's 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 Hala, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So you can oh, go they, to taller corn, basically. Sure. So this year, I did notice a lot of co-ops and things like that. They didn't have Acuron. They had Acuron Flexi anyway. Mm. So oh, I sure. think the I think the atrazine is just kind of falling out of favor. Just in the restrictions on it. I would say depending on the areas you're in, it's very especially if, if your you, clientele. Max, you get down well, Dodge just, Dane County. There's more. There's atrazine more. I talked to three or yeah. four different co-ops on there, and they're all like, "We didn't even buy. We bought all Flexi. Yeah. They're like it doesn't even." doesn't pay so um i guess that makes i i do see atrazine maybe making its way out of some of these premixes and you can add it in if you want easy enough yeah it's not a big deal it's just i noticed that this year and i guess now looking at this it's really not a surprise that they don't have atrazine in it It makes a lot of sense for them it it takes a lot of restriction off so yeah and from a carrier standpoint i think you've got your plant back restrictions it'll be interesting to see what it looks like his atrazine was part of part of the issue with some of the plant back restrictions on on Acuron in general. So, so yeah, there you go, Acuron GT now. Todd's favorite new herbicide. I'm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> we'll not. see. It, I'm just saying another tool in toolbox, which because we still use a lot of Halex GT, so sure. it's like, well, why, why are we still using this? So I, yeah, it's new just, and improved. Feels like it'll be. Just an exciting new mix. Hopefully, it's not crazy, stupid, expensive. Right. That'd be the other side of it. We'll see what happens. All right. Now, let's do the Ag History Minute. So, today, we're going to talk about the history of fungicide. And in the past, we've talked about the Bordeaux mixture being one of the first fungicides out there. And later on, through the study of diseases that caused clear economic damage and the study of pathogens, the basic principles of disease control were established. In general, chemical disease control was aimed at horticultural crops, fruit and veggies, as well as seed treatments. Concerns for products' impact on the environment were largely non-existent, as we were, were concerns for applicator. Most users prepared their own fungicides from basic recipes in the beginning. Then, from 1940 to 1970... There were a number of new chemistry classes introduced as fungicides, the dithiocarbamates and later the thalamides represented a major improvement over the previously used inorganic fungicides in that they were more active, less phytotoxic, and easier to prepare by the user. Since 1970, 
there have been considerable efforts by industry con- to conduct research in area of mode of action, resistance risk, field monitoring for baseline sensitivity, and sensitivity variations in treated fields. Based on the results, use strategies are designed to help reduce the risk of fungicide resistance, buildup, or worse, the loss of efficacy of a whole fungicide classes. So like we talked about earlier, we don't want that with our fungicides. We've got enough with resistance issues with killing weeds. We don't need it in preventing disease. I didn't know what phytotoxicity exactly was, but basically it's just sort of something that hurts the plants, which right. I don't understand if if they were phytotoxic before you you wouldn't I wouldn't think you would use it then if it well, if we, it basically we burn like, plants with chemicals to kill weeds too. So correct. So, but yes, it's that's what that is. Yeah. Awesome, Matt. Thanks. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. Tell anybody. Tell tell a friend of a farmer friend to to listen. Tell them to search Tilt Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android phone. Download Podbean, Player FM, Podcast Addict, or Castbox apps and there you can find our podcast we also you can listen on your smartphone or browser if you go to tiltheg.com slash podcasts and you can follow us on facebook and twitter at at tilth talk radio all right now we're going to do some cool beans and that's corny so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans our cool beans for this week 83 Smithfield Lagoons in Missouri are now producing renewable natural gas. So all of the Smithfield Foods hog finishing farms at six different sites in northern Missouri are now producing renewable natural gas. According to Rudy Roseland of Roseland Alternative Energy, his company covered 83 lagoons and installed eight gas purification systems capable of producing 800,000 decatherms of renewable natural gas into four different high-pressure natural gas interconnections. Eight different decatherms. 800,000 decatherms. 800 decatherms. Sorry, I missed the number. 800,000 decatherms. Yeah. I don't know what a decatherm is, so... I'm going to assume it's some multiple of 10. Yes. Thermal unit. (laughs) Yep. Good, Good guess. Good guess. So, yeah. So, now another way of using that manure, so not only for nutrient value, but producing energy or fuel as well. I've wondered about this for a while, why we didn't quite have this figured out. Right, we can we collect methane from, like, dumps. Why not collect usable gases from manure? Seeing as we are the ones that are just ruining the environment with all our cow farts. We are. That, what I've heard is it's hard to, like, empty them, you know, to get... You know, our conv- like what we use now to empty manure pits, the the pumps and all that stuff. It's just harder with the covers, and sure. and then you have animals walking on them and things like that, deer or whatever. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't know. Well, I think everything's got its, its downside when it comes to a lot of these situations. Covers, yeah, they can rip, they can tear. Basically, but. Bas- it- Basically, we just get sick of something eventually. Like, it's yeah. frustrating. Like like you say, like, they rip, they tear. Eventually, we just get frustrated enough that we're like, it doesn't matter. We're doing this now. Like, right. this is the new way. 
until you that's how we work through problems in America. Just until you, just America. don't deal with it until you get so frustrated and then just okay, we'll deal with it now. Jumping in. Yep. So yeah, it sounds like they're also gonna be installing a couple of digester systems to help convert native grasses, forbs, and cover crops into renewable natural gas as well. Nice. Forbes magazines. They're going to all those. In <laughs> yes. The Forbes Fortune 500. <laughs> no, Forbes is in the native plants. plants. Yeah. I don't think Forbes ma- is that even a real thing. Is that a, oh, yeah. is Forbes that is a, a magazine. Still? Yeah. yeah I mean, I it's a, a magazine, but do they even print magazines? Is that a, do they print magazines? In? Uh, I actually get crops and soils magazines. I'm sure they have the house. online version. I don't know. That you probably much. could go to an airport or something and get a get a Forbes. It's on your, Man. yeah. I, with the Sky Mall and your, I haven't done any your good, plane. I haven't mall. done any good airport. There's no Sky Mall in planes while. anymore. What? COVID took the Sky Mall magazine out of airplanes. No. Did they really? Yes. All you got is your little card now and your puke no, bag and your puke boring. bag. That's read, it. Read the puke bag. As of April, when I flew last, as of April, there was no. I always like to look in the back and look at all the airports and then. The trajectories of all where the flights go and stuff like that. I do. Uh, I do on this methane topic. Last week on the farm report, Travis Cleveland reported that there there is an attempt to get cows to wear masks, like face masks, <laughs> because they think that just as much methane comes out their front end as their back end, and that wearing the face mask will prevent methane. The burps versus farts argument. Yes, <laughs> keep it in. Is that a classic argument? It is. It burps, is actually a burps v farts. Burps versus farts. Yeah. <laughs> is it the belching or is it the the release of gas from the other end? Yeah. So uh, that was a very. So where does it go though? The cow has to keep it in. I don't know. I didn't. It goes in the mask. He didn't. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like <laughs> the a, mask traps. It's it. like a CFAP thing or what? A, uh, uh, one of those. The mask you wear when you got CFAP. 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 Yeah, that like sucks it all. He didn't. They didn't get into the specifics. It was the you know what I'm talking about. The one that comes on at like five fifteen or whatever yeah. on the radio, and they just run through quick. And he says like you know markets did this. This is what's going on. Go to breakfast on the farm here. And, and he just, have your cows wear masks. And it was just like yeah. A new study shows that potentially masking cows could. Yeah, I was like, well, that one's probably not going to go over very well. I don't think. It's the never ending. Can you tell a cow to take its mask off only to eat and then put it back on? (laughs) Please wear your mask unless you're seated at the feeding line. They have to. Unless you're standing, eat everything through a straw. In the headlock. It's all like, we've got to put cows on liquid diets. Just put a little hose in their mouth. And then. That sounds like a total disaster, Max. Cows with masks. I'm sure. Can we just like take some old feed bags and make a mask? There you go. Like like on horses, just strap on the feed bag. Yeah. You know there'll be the rebel ones who refuse to wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) They won't produce any. We just we just did this study in real life. They'll just they'll be hamburger. Yeah. (laughs) We won't produce milk if we have to wear a mask. (laughs) We won't produce milk. Yep, that's how it works. They just decide they're done. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's corny for this week. A bipartisan bill aims to eliminate corn ethanol volume mandate. So a bipartisan group of U.S. senators, so both Republicans and Democrats, are looking to introduce a bill that would allow refineries not to reduce the amount of ethanol that they are using a proposal that would slam corn growers and is likely to face vehement opposition from the farm lobby. 
So Republican Senator Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania and Democratic Senator Bob Menendez. Is that one of the Menendez brothers <laughs> they out of jail now? From New Probably Jersey. Not. New Jersey. Part of the group introducing the bill, they also happen to represent states with oil refineries that claim the mandates are expensive oh. and threatening refinery jobs. There's the ticket right there. Yep. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Politics. Follow the money. Yep. So, yeah, the potential for ethanol could take a hit here if this goes through. I do like my E88. Or, I don't know if it's E88, but... I just get confused when people call it that because it's E15, right? No, what's the... There's E85. 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 Yeah, E85, which is 85% ethanol, ethanol. but this is... Right. E15 is like 50, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you could call that. But they that... You're talking the eighty, the unleaded eighty-eight. Yeah, quick trip. Yep. yep. And it's yeah. like four cents cheaper. Right. Yep. That's my go-to. That's your roll. Nice. Yep. Save where you can, right? Yeah, I, I have a truck now that can run that can run that gas, so I've been been using it up. All right. Now we'll just wrap her up here with a little bit of a GDU update. So now that we're we're hitting tassel, we're we're going to be less worried about GDUs, but we still got some corn that's got a little ways to go. Anything that was planted after first crop has still got uh, some miles to go before it sleeps. I was trying to explain this to somebody this week about how GDUs to tassel are far more indicative than GDUs after. after. Like, yep. the kind of after tassel, it kind of just happens. I mean, yes, if it's only 60 degrees the rest of July it'll, and August. It'll affect dry down, yeah. Yeah, but realistically, we're going to. Where we're gonna get there at some you, point. If it was sixty degrees up till now, who would yeah. be in trouble? Yep. So here in Seymour, we are at thirteen twenty three. Our normal is twelve seventy seven, so we are forty six degrees above normal. And our fourteen day outlook is sixteen fifty seven for GDUs. This like we said, the next five days are all mid to high eighties. Max out days. Yep. Yeah. Rocking and rolling. Max out is nice. Where are you going out, Max? <laughs> the fair. Where do you think? Yeah. Yeah. These are Max. Maxes you got out. three more days. Someone asked last oh, night if we were going to be at the fair tonight, and I went, I mean, I'm not going anywhere else. Like, they should be this, asking you if you're not going. Literally, the, like, this is wanna, the only time this much beer and food is going to be this close to my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not in my house. <laughs> right. Yeah. You should just. Post like the day, the hours you will not be at the fair. Like Literally. I will not be at the fair today from from during nine a.m. until four. Just if you don't, if you're going to the fair and you don't have anybody to go with, like none of your friends want to go, just come knock on the door, man. Like I'm, <laughs> you're already there though. You won't hear the knock. It's true. All right, hit me up. <laughs> I'll be there. What's your go-to tent? Oh, you got to go to Deanna's. Deanna's food is the best. Ooh. What is it? It's uh, the, one of the newer ones. They do like yeah. the ribbon fries and the, yeah, so the steak been, sundae, which she, I had last night. Steak sundae? Really yeah. She's Sounds been awesome. around. Like, French fries, sour cream, cheese, and steak. She's been around for... Ice cream. Awesome. <laughs> no ice cream. And the best lemonade. A sundae does not lemonade. have to be ice cream. Ah. She has the best lemonade. Yeah, they have very good lemonade, too. Um, she's been around for as long, like a while, um, but she started yeah. with like one... They had like one trailer and the lemonade stand. And I think last night I counted... Four trailers? Whoa. Yeah, they got like an ice cream. Uh, one that's trailers? only ice cream. Do they sell Sundays? Like, yeah. Yes, they have ice cream as well. So they, they're they up to like four or five trailers plus the lemonade stands. So like they're getting 
They're getting big. They're monopolizing the fair. Deanna's is my favorite. She clutches it up like every year. She's she's got it, man. She the lemonade because you know everybody has lemonade. Yep. Deanna's. What does she do different? The lemons. She's just better. She just cares more. <laughs> she just cares. She cares more. Her tears go into your lemonade. <laughs> listen, they sweeten them. Listen, tears I, of joy. Yeah, I, will, I was a fair kid not that long ago, and you live there for a week. You can go to every food stand multiple times a day. Like it's you figure out who's the best, yep. and it's not hard. It's and how many lemonades was I drinking in a day during the fair? Four. Oh, at least. So you gotta get the souvenir cup though. Then the, you get the cheaper refills. Yeah. Where's your go-to cheese curd? Um. Well, I don't know. They don't have the stand I used to really like. They used to have a Charlie's stand. Mm-hmm. Remember Charlie's? Mm-hmm. Charlie's always had good ones. So I don't know. I'm still. Adjusting. Is that like the yellow trailer? Yep. I'm still adjusting to that this year. Ooh. I haven't had a cheese curd yet. They're getting expensive. They like are ten they bucks a thing now. Nine. Oh, they are up tonight. I yeah. yeah, two years ago. I mean, since everything after COVID, now they just are like, oh, but we didn't do it last year, so so we're gonna double. Add, yeah, yeah, at a buck or two. Yeah, so, yeah I thought it was like at seven. I I remember two being years ago, like at yeah. seven, being like, well, that seven's not crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, now we're now we're, we might as well be ten. Yeah. By next year, it'll be ten. So They'll do nine, so you leave a tip. Like, hey, just uh, keep the ten. <laughs> they do have the tip jars out. Yep. All right, and Crivets. We're at 13.11. Normal's 11.07. They're still kicking butt, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are 204 above normal, and their outlook is 16.22. So, I mean, they're they're 30 behind us, and they're that much further north. That's, so. that's like just over one really good day. Like, right. They're, oof. You're playing long day corn up there this year. Yeah, there you go. They're, they're Can like, actually plant nine. Am I doing the math? Are there less? I mean, two date were no, thirteen twenty three for the fourteen day. Oh outlook, yeah, but even like 30, right now, 30, right they're, now they're, they're basically 10. the same yeah. as us. That's yeah. like yep. one day. True. Yep. One one not even that good day of GDU's. Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then, then normally they're one hundred and seventy. Yeah. Right. They'd be behind. significantly lower. Yeah. And then Sun Prairie to date is at fourteen seventy eight. Their normals twelve eighty seven. They are one hundred and ninety one. GDU's above normal, and their 14 days, 1837. So, yeah, we're even, we're above Sun Prairie's normal right now. So, yeah. We are Sun Prairie. All right. So, that'll do it. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. This week, we talked about fungicide. We looked at, in our spotlight... New Acuron GT coming out with glyphosate in the mix. Egg History Minute, we talked about the history of fungicide. Cool Beans was Smithfield using their lagoons for producing renewable natural gas. That's Corny was a bipartisan bill looking to eliminate the corn ethanol mandate. And GDUs were still all above normal. But Crivitz is creeping up on Seymour, so thanks for listening. And as always... Happy farming.